We have some beautiful lilacs here for my wife, Holly. They smell good. They look good. Hopefully, they don't make me sneeze. A happy Mother's Day. We all have the best mom in the whole wide world, don't we? Uh, and since we're all kids here, uh, my mom could beat your mom in a race. But our uh, thoughts go out to our moms today. Our thoughts also go out to those who, whose moms are no longer with them, who's passed away. Uh, or who have had a broken relationship with their mother, or even if you wished you were a mom and you wanted children but you never did, our, our thoughts are with you. Our hearts go out to you too. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Today, I feel blessed and privileged to be able to talk about the one who made moms, the Lord. And I wanted to start our time together by worshiping, by reading Psalm 34 together. I'll give you a minute to turn there in your Bibles I'll be reading for worship Psalm 34, and then we'll jump back over to Luke chapter 7 and uh, keep reading through the book of Luke. But Psalm 34 is one of my favorites. It just describes the Lord in ways that uh, if you're not looking, you won't notice, but I love the way it illustrates who God really is. So as worship today, let's, let's read Psalm 34. It says this, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called out to the Lord, and the Lord heard him. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the man from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked, the foes of the righteous will be condemned, the Lord redeems his servants, not one of them will be condemned who takes refuge in him. I love how this psalm really illustrates the Lord. It says, I sought the Lord, and he answered. He delivered me. The poor man called out, and and the Lord heard him, right? The Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. He rescues us. The Lord is good, it says. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The Lord hears 
our cry. The Lord delivers us. Praise God. And verse 18 perfectly illustrates our passage today in Luke. It says in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Today in the book of Luke, chapter 7, starting at verse 11, we're going to see someone who is brokenhearted, that the Lord is close to them. And then later in the book of Luke, we'll see he'll save someone who is crushed in spirit. So let's turn over to the book of Luke. And as you're turning, I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to help us have understanding today. Father, we just pray that by your spirit, you'll lead us to the truth. You'll help us to understand your heart for us, your love for us, and not just us, but for everyone. Help us to see who you really are today. Help us to understand and adjust our lives and our schedule around you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I hope you're there in Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Let's begin. So soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. And he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still, and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. John's disciples told him all about these things, and calling two of them, He sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. And so he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. So our story today begins in a town called Nain. It's just a small town, very little significance. However, somebody's world has just come crashing down from the town. A mother has just lost her only son, and she's on the way right now to go bury him on that hill outside of town. And as you can imagine, as we can all imagine, she is filled with grief 
the sorrow is thick in the air. There's crying. Can you hear the cries? Can you hear the weeping coming out of the town? Her whole being must ache right now. All her bones feel crushed. And to make matters worse, she's had loss before already. The boy's father has also passed away. And now she's having to bury her boy. The whole town is mourning with her. They're following her, mourning with her. And I just can't imagine how it sounds coming out of the town. Everybody weeping, everybody sad, the weight that is there as they make for the place to lay her son. And it just so happens at that very moment, Jesus and the crowd of his followers are coming into the opposite way. And I love that dramatic scene here, right? Here's a procession of death coming out of the town. The weight, the sorrow, the sadness, the anxiety is coming out of the town. And here comes life. Here comes Jesus and all his followers. And they meet at the city gate. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. His heart went out to her. Not the dead guy. His mom, he felt her grief with her. He grieved with her. And I don't know how you picture God to be. I don't know how you picture Jesus to be. That Jesus is not some person, emotions, right? Kind of like Spock. <laughs> he's not like Spock. In every situation, he's, you know, he's expressionless. He's calm. He's stoic. No, in this one, he's, he's dynamic. He's emotional. And he's not afraid to show it. And, and in this scene, in this scenario, when he approaches the mother who has just lost her only son, the widow who has lost her son, his heart goes out to her. His heart goes out to her broken heart, and he cares about her tears. And he says to her, don't cry. He says, don't cry. And he went up and he touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. And he says, young man, I say to you, get up, like wake up. Get up, it's time to get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. I cannot begin to imagine what kind of joy she must have felt, what kind of relief and and awe and uh, just she couldn't even understand and grasp. Is this real? To have her son who was gone, it was it, now he's given back to her? The stark contrast of the depths of despair now into the new heights of joy, disbelief and wonder. The psalmist in Psalm 30 is true when he says, you, Lord, have turned my wailing into dancing. You have removed my sackcloth, my mourning clothes, and now you have clothed me with joy. Oh, man, what, what were the sounds then? The crowd coming out with the procession of death, now re-entering with Jesus and life and joy and dancing and celebration and awe and wonder. And the, all the people proclaim, a prophet, God has come now to help his people. It's such a great uh, demonstration, a great, amazing expression of God's love and compassion and salvation. When all was lost... Jesus enters into the scene and turns it all around. All these miracles 
provide for us a context of the miraculous salvation that God gives us. We were all like that dead man, right? That young man that was dead. We were sick. Our souls were sick. We were lame. We were hopelessly unclean. We were even dead. We were dead, and then Jesus appears, and he raised us up. Now we go in the newness of life, in joy, in celebration. We have joy now instead of sadness. We have forgiveness in place of guilt. We have hope instead of despair, and life instead of death. And we live our life in service to Jesus because he was the one who turned it all around, right? We go on with our life of service to God, and then maybe down the road a ways from that moment, we might begin to waver. Let's pick up the story at verse 18. John's disciples told him all about these things, and calling two of them to himself, he the Lord to ask, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, are you the one who was to come? Are you the one? Or should we expect someone else? And at that time, Jesus was curing many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind, and so he replied to those messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. In these last few pages, we have a comparison happening here, I think. In the beginning of chapter 7, we have the strong and of the centurion, right? And it's contrasting here now with perhaps the shaky faith that John is right now, experiencing right now. And Jesus deals with both these situations with grace and compassion, we know from the story from earlier in the book of Luke that right now where John is sitting is he's locked up in prison. And he's locked up for doing the work that he was called to do. He was, called, he was calling people to repentance and, and he, told, he told the wrong guy to repent and he got thrown into prison for unjust reasons. And, and, and it's kind of being implied here that John is kind of discouraged. He's wavering a little bit. And his question is, are you the one? Are you the Savior? Are you Messiah? It's nothing wrong with asking that question. In fact, it's here in the story to invite the reader to ask the same question for ourselves. Is Jesus the one? Is he the one who is to come or should we look for someone else? We're invited to ask it too and find the answer. Even the most faithful have times of doubt. Even the most faithful get discouraged at times. And when, when John is, is having question, he does it right. He calls two of his friends to him to help him figure it out. And Jesus has compassion on him. He is quick to encourage him. And John's question might be a question uh, of knowledge. Are you the one? Are you the one that was written about in Scripture? Are you the fulfillment of Scripture? 
Jesus answers by saying, look around you, look at the evidence, look at the signs of it. Scripture is being fulfilled. I am the fulfillment of Scripture. And, and his answer back to John, he is basically quoting Isaiah 61, a passage that John is very familiar with. Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2 says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. There's that line. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God. Are you the one? Are you the one, John's asking? Maybe it's a question of circumstance. Here he is sitting in prison. Hey, don't forget about me. He's sitting in prison looking at the calendar, wondering when is Messiah going to bust me out of here? How long is this going to take? I know that verse in Isaiah very well. It says, to release the prisoner, when is my freedom coming? Are you the one? Are you the one? It might be a question of God's timing. Might be question of Messiah's timing. I know all about Isaiah 61. It talks about the year of the Lord's favor, but it also talks about the day of vengeance. So when is the day of vengeance going to happen? Where's the judgment and wrath? And the Lord's answer is quick and compassionate. But his answer may not be what John was wishing for, but it's still the answer he got. Go back and report what you have seen and heard, he tells the messengers. The blind are receiving sight. The lame are walking. Those who have leprosy are now cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is being preached to the poor. Blessed is the man that does not fall away on account of me. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. In other translations, it says, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Why would anyone fall away or be offended on account of Christ? Is it because Jesus isn't what they expected him to be? Is he doing something different than what they pictured him doing? Is he moving in a way or is he moving in a pace or in a time that They don't want it to be like that. And as a result of these things, they're falling away. They're they're struggling. They're they're getting discouraged. But even the strongest and the most mature, faithful follower can have times of discouragement and, and wavering. Because John here is no weakling. John, from before he was born, had miracles surrounding his life. Remember, John is the one whose dad had a visit from an angel. Gabriel told him that you were going to have a son, you're to name him John, right? This is John. How many times did he hear the story about dad getting the visit from the angel? At least once a year on John's birthday, they told the story. John's the one that jumped for joy in his mother's womb when Jesus walked into the room in his mother's womb. And so John, from before he was born, was already being groomed to be this special prophet, this forerunner for Christ. He is no weakling. And right now he is sitting in a prison. He's locked up. 
And all he can do is hear the stories of what's happening out there. And I can understand how that would be difficult for him. He wants to be a part of things. His life isn't going the way I'm sure he didn't, he, he, he imagined it would go. And Jesus' reply to him is telling him to be strong. Look around you and notice the evidence of Jesus at work. John's heart's cry was, was actually being answered in that moment. John's heart cry, he must increase and I must decrease, is being answered. What John was sent out to do, what John's mission was, was being fulfilled. It was working. And Jesus wanted him to remember that. Jesus encourages John to listen to his friend's testimony. The Lord is increasing. But John asked the right question. Are you the one? What do you think about Jesus' answer to him? Do you think he wanted to encourage John? Do you think he wanted John to know, yes, I am the one? There is no need to look for someone else? The mission is being accomplished. It is happening The Lord is close to those who are brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. He instructs us to look for him, to listen for him. Look for the one. Listen for the one. Who are you connecting most with? Who are you connecting with the most in this story today? What line is standing out to you? What is the spirit inviting you to listen to today or to see in the text this morning? Are you like the widow? Are you brokenhearted today? If you are, I want you to know the text says here that the Lord's heart goes out to you and he is bringing life Horizon is bringing life. So look, listen for Messiah. Are you like the dead man raised to life? Just happy to be alive? Are you like John today? Getting a little impatient with the things that are surrounding you, things you're hearing about, seeing? Be patient, John. Look around. Jesus is still healing. Jesus is still working today. There are still people being set free by Messiah. God is delivering people. He is still giving people a heart of God is still working. The day of vengeance will eventually come when God says it's time. Until then, we all play the part of the messenger. And we need to remind each other of what we have seen and what we have heard Jesus do and say. It's easy to get wrapped up in these current events and allow it to consume our minds and blind us to see God's working around us. And today, I honestly feel like uh, God is inviting me to see him working more and more, to look for it, to listen for it, and to point it out when I see it. 
You know, I know I used my imagination to kind of speculate on why John was asking this question. I feel like the author is giving us an invitation to think about why is he asking, are you the one? Or should we look for someone else? I pictured John asking this question, how can Jesus be the one and the things still be like the way they are? But what he did right was John was looking for Messiah. He knew he needed Messiah to show up. And his question's the right one to ask. And it's the question that we all must find the answer to. Is Jesus the one or should we be looking for someone else? Should we expect someone else? If Jesus is the one, will we follow him? Will we trust him? Will we accept the call? Will we accept the circumstances he has for us? For most, for most of us, it will not mean that we go sit in prison like John. So that's a plus. But it will mean that things that Jesus wants is the priority. What Jesus wants, when Jesus wants it, and how Jesus wants it. He must increase and we must decrease Because when Jesus increases, the blind see, the lame walk, the unclean are made clean, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of Jesus. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I... You're the invitation to us today to live a life of surrender to you in every aspect of our lives. It's easy to look at the world around us and wonder, when is all this going to change? And I hear you say it is changing. There are pockets where things are happening, where gospel is being expressed, where salvation is occurring. Lord, I, I pray that you help us to see it, to hear about it, and to be a part of it. We pray for revival in our community, in our world, in our nation, Lord. We pray for salvation to come. We pray for prodigals to return home, for repentance to start to happen more and more and more. And Lord, start with us. Holy Spirit, would you help us to walk faithfully with you? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I leave you today with this benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.